0: Real law firms, real intelligence.
1: My motto, Lindsay, is get smart or get sued. Because what happens is... <laughs> Um, you know, companies have employees. They don't put the time into making sure that their policies and practices are consistent with current law and you know, the requirements that they're um, that they must meet. And then, you know something goes wrong because they haven't done that work and they're they're not compliant and they end up getting sued. Um, so that's my motto, get smarter, get sued.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Law Firm Intelligence Podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Griffiths, Executive Director of the International Lawyers Network. And our guest this week is Tamsen Kaplan with Davis Mom and Diagstein in Boston. Tamsen, welcome. We're really happy to have you with us. Good Um, morning, Lindsay. Great to talk to you. Great to talk to you too. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice and your firm? Well, I've been practicing law for over 30 years and I'm with Davis Mom now
1: for almost 13. Uh, Davis Mom in Boston is a a general business firm. Um, We have a diverse platform and can meet pretty much every business need um, that our clients present. Um, Of course, with the help of ILN when we have international issues. Um, I am in the employment law group. I'm an employment lawyer and litigator I also do some general litigation in addition to my um, employment practice, and I also serve as a general counsel occasionally to nonprofits because my my history before going to law school a zillion years ago was um, working with nonprofit management, so I still like to keep my fingers in that as
0: well. That's very cool. Awesome. All right, so let's dive into our questions. Um, What would you say is your biggest challenge at the moment, and how are you working to overcome that?
1: Well, good question. And the answer to my biggest challenge at the moment is the same as my biggest challenge forever as an employment lawyer, which is that it is very hard to get business clients focused on preventive measures, what I call risk management. And I understand that it's never on the front burner until. It's on the front burner, so you know, getting uh, my clients to update their employment policies, to review their handbooks, to um, you know revise and make sure that their employment um, contracts are current. Um, it's it's just really hard to get people to focus on that, and so therefore my motto, Lindsay, is get smart or get sued, because what happens is, um, you know, companies. Have employees, they don't put the time into making sure that their policies and practices are consistent with current law and you know the requirements that they're um, that they must meet. And then you know something goes wrong because they haven't done that work and they're they're not compliant and they end up getting sued. Um, so that's my motto: get smart or get sued. A lot of times, people get sued first and then they get smart, meaning that you know they have to deal with a legal claim from an employee and then they realize how important it is to engage in risk management um, behaviors. Um, So that's been my problem for the whole time I've been practicing and I don't suspect it's gonna go away anytime
0: soon. Well, that's why people need lawyers, right? (laughs)
1: That's right, that's exactly right.
0: Um, Yeah. And I think, you know, that's what I've often seen, I think, cross your fingers is a lot of people's legal strategy. And uh, as I'm sure you've seen, um, that's not really effective. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. I'm not sure it's a strategy, Lindsay. (laughs) No, you're right. You're right. (laughs) It's a lack of strategy. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So how do you combat that other than educating your current clients? Well, that's
1: it. You know, uh, educating, reaching out. Um, at our firm, we do these e alerts, email alerts. We try to make them very succinct, very clear. That you know, this is a change in the law. Review your handbook. Call us to take a look at your, um, you know, whatever it is, your non disparagement and confidentiality provision, your restrictive covenants such as non competes or non solicitations. Whatever it is that the law is doing to change, you know. We reach out to individual clients. We send e-alerts. Um, Yeah, it's, you know, as I said, it's, it's, it's always the challenge. And I understand why, you know, businesses have limited resources and their focus is on, you know, what needs to be done at the moment. It's difficult to focus on preventive measures, what I call housekeeping, the housekeeping stuff. But it comes back to bite you if you don't do it.
0: It's so true. So,
1: you know, frankly, this is not a solution, but it's another reason why this is important, which I talked to my clients about, which is morale, employee morale. If there's confusion about policies, if there's not a place you can go where, um, you know, where everyone understands this is the place to go to answer, you know, your questions about your employment, about your rights and obligations as an employee. um, And that that place is a place where it's clear and easy, you know, user-friendly, then it creates, it can create frustration.
0: Absolutely, and I think, you know, the job hopefully of a, of a labor lawyer is to simplify that for the employer and the employees, because sometimes the language of the law can make it really complex.
1: It can, right, exactly. I and mean, that is our job is in a way to translate. I always say the main thing I learned or maybe the only thing I learned in law school was to read, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because we we had, boy, did we read. I mean, you know, I would sit and read for 10 hours at a time getting ready for, you know, a class sometimes. Um, But being a good reader is, is a skill. And, you know, we understand the laws, we understand the common law, the statutory law, and, and we're good readers. And then we can translate into simple terms for our clients what they need to know and what they need to do.
0: Absolutely. And I think these days, you know, it used to be that lawyers were really just about the law itself and and you know doing the the legal work but now you really are business partners for your clients and that is a huge piece of what makes you valuable
1: that is so true and you know one of the things that's very gratifying is when you're you know when you've had a practice as long as mine when your clients come back to you over and over over the years you know you're the one they think of to pick up the phone and ask that question or when something's blown up and they need help. Um, yeah, it is, it is being a business partner and that's a gratifying part of this job.
0: I I love this job. I think it's a great job. I I love that. I love to hear that.
1: I was at the hairdresser recently. The hairdresser said like, Oh, you're a lawyer. Like he looks at me like he was sorry, you know, like he, (laughs) and I was like, he's like, Oh, all my clients are lawyers. They hate it. I was like, what? I I love it. Like this has been such a great journey for me such that's a good
0: wonderful. job. That's wonderful. Yeah. I love to hear. I love when, when lawyers love their jobs. And I think most of, you know, almost everyone in the ILN that I talk to really loves their work as a lawyer. You
1: know, I think that's right. Everyone I've met is really enthusiastic about their work. They Yeah, it's, it's true. And that's yeah. a wonderful thing. That's something that helps you be good at what you do, obviously.
0: Absolutely. Because then you're passionate about continuing to learn and continuing to advocate for your clients and always figuring out what the next best solution is. Right. Yeah. So you're, you're
1: invested and you have those relationships that you care
0: about. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about the current state of the market and what that means for, for your clients.
1: Yeah. You know, interest rates are high. And therefore, you know, there are less corporate deals. There are fewer corporate deals. There are fewer um, startups starting at this moment. Um, we've see, certainly seen that, you know, the the rise in interest rates affecting our clients, businesses, um, real estate acquisitions, et cetera. So that, it, it, you know, inevitably that impacts, um, you know, how much how much our clients are doing, how much they're engaging in new business, acquiring new businesses, um, creating new businesses, and therefore just, you know, how much legal work they need. We've had an amazing year this year. And, uh, you know, it's great. It's wonderful to be able to say that. Um, But I'm concerned. And I think there's a general concern among business people and lawyers in the States about, you know, how how we're going to start 2024
0: and going forward Uh, yeah i agree with you i think um a lot of a lot of countries feel that way uh not just the u.s and uh, i'm i'm curious to see how 2024 is going to start as well i think it's made people very cautious for the fourth quarter of this year and um I think that's why a lot of, a lot of people are holding off on doing deals Um, because I've asked that question of a lot of our M&A lawyers, you know, is it that the deals aren't there or people are waiting and it's more that people are waiting. Right. Right. But interest
1: rates are going up again. So
0: yes, which is not great.
1: No, it's, it definitely has a chilling effect on business. No no question. And it makes it so much more
0: expensive to do anything. That's right. That's right. And I'm sure you've seen this too in the in the labor market. But, um, you know, every industry has been hit by this war for talent. um, And it's making it very difficult to find good people. And I'm sure that's making uh, employment packages very difficult as well, especially at, you know, higher executive levels.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I feel like executives have been getting paid a lot of money for a long time.
0: Uh, that's true. That's true. So
1: the incremental difference doesn't seem to be necessarily affecting my clients that much, and I don't think they're balking at that. Um, but you know, um, I know that it's it, that there's been a lot of competition for associates in the market here in Boston, and I don't know if that's true elsewhere. Um, actually, I think we did talk about that when I was at the ILN conference in Rio. Um, and at the end of May, um, we've been so, so blessed this year with amazing new talent. Um, I'm just thrilled, I'm knocking on wood because uh, we we lost a wonderful employment associate who we, we were expecting to become a partner. He um, had twins, his life changed and uh, he took an in-house counsel job, which I understand. It's, you know, Being a litigator and being in a private firm has certain pressures um, that are more difficult when you have a young family. So um, I was concerned because he he was our main, you know, really talented senior employment associate. But we hired somebody in in April. Uh, Her name is Michelle Casorla. She is fantastic. She's a really, really talented person and lawyer and an experienced employment practitioner. So, I'm just really happy we have a great group of associates here it makes all the difference that's wonderful all difference. as you're more senior you you know you have to delegate to the younger lawyers
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, you know, I think you start to think about succession and looking to the future and, um, you know, for all of us, you start to wonder what's going to be next. And uh, when you do have the confidence in in that future generation, uh, it, it makes you feel really good about um, about what you have uh, happening at your firm.
1: Absolutely. And the Davis mom, I, I you probably know this about our firm. People stay forever. So, you know, people we bring in as associates who are a good fit are likely going to be partners down the road. And those are the partners we want, you know, the folks who have come up and are part of our family um, because, you know, the way we run this place is like literally around the table. It's very democratic and everyone's involved. And so we want to bring up our associates to become partners,
0: to become part of the leadership. So, Absolutely. Yeah, I'm extremely optimistic about that. That's wonderful. It is great. So what would you say is the biggest area that's related either to the practice of law or um, your your practice, the, the labor practice in, sp- in particular that you're curious about um, and, and why?
1: Like, I guess two things. First of all, I know this is on everyone's mind, AI, artificial intelligence. How is that gonna affect our practices? How is that gonna affect our clients' businesses? We don't know. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see this, this develop. Um, I think in the employment area, not only, you know, getting our work done and what, you know, what tools will be available is going to be an issue, but I suspect that there are also going to be a lot of performance issues, disciplinary issues coming up, um, by use or misuse of AI. Um, we'll, we'll see how that unfolds. Another thing that's, that I love about being an employment lawyer is how there are a lot of developments in employment law. So, you know, for example, we in Massachusetts have uh, a weekly lawyers newspaper, Mass Lawyers Weekly. I'm sure that's the same in many states and jurisdictions. And you know, inevitably, you know, the the, the headlines are about new employment law, new you know cases, new laws, new statutes and regulations, and so you know, that's, I'm looking forward to seeing what's next. There's always something new, um, you know, just today we're sending out an electronic alert, an e-alert about a development in our, in our paid family leave and medical paid family medical leave act here in Massachusetts and how people get paid and how much they can get paid. Um, and they can take PTO, vacation time, sick time and use that to top off the benefit that is available from the state for, um, medical and uh, family leave. So, I mean, that that's that's huge. That's an incredible development. We didn't have any state-funded, paid medical and family leave until 2021. Yeah, in Massachusetts. And most states don't have anything still.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so, you know, this is an, an example of a new development that's really significant in people's lives. And it's it works like unemployment in that there's a, a sort of a payroll tax. There's an amount that is paid in, and then the government has a fund, and they tap. And the government, the Massachusetts government, taps into that fund to provide people with pay based on a calculation that's a portion of their usual wages. If they're taking, you know, leave because they're sick, because they have to care for um, a family member with a serious health condition, if they're bonding with a new baby, um, etc. So. That's you know it's stuff like that is happening all the time. I don't envy my real estate partners who have like they're still citing law from I don't know nineteen twenty two or something. It's you know so that's one of the fun things about um about employment law that uh, I'm curious about every day.
0: That's yeah. very cool. Yeah, yeah, it is always funny when we do um, various group discussions and. I'm always asking the real estate lawyers, you know, okay, what can we discuss? And they're like, we don't know, you know, nothing changes. And the labor lawyers send me like 12 topics, yes. <laughs> you know, cause there's always something new to discuss. Always. Yes. Yeah. Which is it's very exciting area to be
1: in. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And the corporate lawyers are the same. They're like, nothing changes, but they inevitably the corporate lawyers find something to discuss, but um, it's very funny because yeah, the labor lawyers, there's always something yeah. new. That's uh, yeah. fun and interesting. Yeah. <laughs> By the
1: way, way, um, Lindsay, the way I think of labor versus employment is, and I think this is a pretty typical um, kind of distinction, is that labor is more dealing with unions, at least in the United States, and that may be different in other countries, um, and employment is more typically dealing with um, non-unionized workers.
0: Interesting. Okay. That is a good distinction to make because I'm not sure that every one of our listeners will know that. So that is a good distinction for, uh, for people to know, and we, our group covers both. So, um, and we probably have both sets of lawyers involved in that.
1: I would think so. And many lawyers do both.
0: Yes, of course. Right. Great. Thank you for that. Um, so switching gears a little bit, can you tell us something interesting about yourself that most people don't know? (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's a tough one. Um I, I would probably the main thing is my stand-up comedy
0: career. Gosh, yes, you didn't know that. I didn't know that.
1: Um I have not done stand-up now for oh gosh, like 5 years. Um but I started doing it because the Women's Bar Foundation here, which is a nonprofit that provides free legal service legal services to um, people who you know don't have the ability to pay specifically supports women and children. Um, they have a fundraiser every year, and they started doing this comedy competition for lawyers. Um, and so, you know, I went a couple times. I was like, I could do that. So uh, I threw my hat in the ring, and I competed for the first time in 2014, and I won. Oh my gosh. It was the first time I ever did stand up and I won, I was the funniest lawyer in Massachusetts for 2014. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, and people say like then tell me something funny. And the thing is, at least for me, doing stand-up is it's you have to prepare and prepare and prepare. I mean, I wrote these things, I tweaked and tweaked and tweaked, I practiced and practiced until they were like perfect one-liners. Um, so I'm, I i do not think I'm actually that funny
0: in real life. But... <laughs> I'm sure you are funny in real I know. life. Also, but I was but... the
1: 20th lawyer. I don't know. Let's see. So I a... And then uh, I performed again at the same fundraiser in 2015 to, uh, and handed off the, the golden rubber chicken award to the next, <laughs> the next winner. Uh, and then they did a, an all-star showcase in 2017. Um, so I was invited back. That's the extent of my stand up career.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So it was
1: really really fun. It was a great experience. I mean it's, it's an amazing feeling to be up on stage. There must have been like uh the first time I performed like 400 people in the room and you can feel kind of the wave of laughter like move across the room. Like some of the jokes are, you know, right away people get. Sometimes there's like just a split second before everybody gets it and then there's like this like wave of increasing laughter and applause. It's, so cool so much fun
0: that's amazing it was a really great
1: experience which I will never do again
0: I'm definitely I was just thinking we should do (laughs) an island talent show and because so many people have so many interesting talents that are not compliment they're not necessarily complimentary because some people play musical instruments and some people yeah. and you have a very secret stand-up comedy talent that nobody knew about but that maybe we can get you to reprise it
1: <laughs> we'll talk we'll talk offline okay <laughs> <Sure> About that.
0: <laughs> that's amazing that's really amazing um who has been your biggest mentor over your career
1: um Many people have been wonderful mentors, which I'm very, very grateful for. Um, in particular, I always say I wouldn't have a career without the Women's Bar Association. We have a wonderful Women's Bar Association here in Massachusetts, very supportive. After I left law firm life and was on my own for a while, which I did for 11 years when my kids were young, um, you know, I got all of my work from female mentors and colleagues. Um, and one in particular, Loretta Attardo uh, became a mentor. She's a a local longtime labor and employment lawyer. And now she's a neutral. She does all arbitrations and mediations. Um, she's just been amazing. She also does a lot of workplace or used to do a lot of workplace investigations which is something that's a big part of my practice. And so she's been my go-to person. And I have another story about a mentor whose name was David Rappaport. And he passed away uh, in 2012, no, January of, gosh, no, I can't remember. Yeah, 2012, January 2012. And um, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, Lindsay. He was um, a very well-respected employment lawyer and litigator in Massachusetts. And he was the president of, um, the, Nash, the Massachusetts Lawyers Association, employment lawyers, oh, Mila, Massachusetts Employment Lawyers Association. And I just loved the way he ran meetings and I loved the way he thought. And so I kind of glommed onto him. You know, I became like this barnacle on David Rappaport to learn everything I could from him. And years passed and he ended up at Davis Mall long before I joined Davis Mall. And um, he then very sadly got very sick. It was like it quadruple bypass surgery and had cancer and his wife left him like all in six months time it was just terrible awesome. and I remember spending time with him and he would say to me I wish I'd come to Davis mom sooner because you know he had been a big firm small firms his own firm and he said this is the best place to practice this firm treated him so well when he was sick sent him meals, sent him cars to go to his, uh, you know, treatments at the hospital. And when he said that, I thought, yeah, when my kids get a little older, that's the firm for me. And it's bittersweet. I ended up actually replacing David Rappaport. Oh, wow. Uh, Because he, he, yep, I joined this firm on January 9th, 2012, and he passed away on January 13th. Wow. Yep. So he was a great mentor, and I was just so delighted to be able to, you know, follow in his footsteps.
0: Yeah, yeah. Huge Of course, yeah. It sounds like it, but what a sort of beautiful way to honor his legacy, too.
1: Yeah. Well, people here remember him; they'll never forget. This is a guy who, when he went on vacations, would visit courthouses around the country. Like he was, oh, he yeah. loved the law.
0: <laughs> That's wonderful. You have to love somebody who loves the law that much. Yeah, I'll <laughs> do that.
1: Really, that's what you did on vacation. It was hilarious.
0: <laughs> that's not the first time I've heard of someone doing that. Really? Yes. There's other lawyers I've heard of doing that too.
1: I got to say, I I love being a lawyer, but I would not do that for my vacation. No,
0: <laughs> me neither. Sometimes you need a break from the law.
1: <laughs> yeah, there are other things in this life.
0: That's Right. That's right. You need to shut that part of your brain off so that you can use it when you're at work.
1: Although, as you know, as a lawyer, you don't shut it off very much, even on vacation.
0: It's true. It's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm often like trying to lay down and relax and I'm thinking about the ILN and I'm like, no, stop it. <laughs> right now is it, not the time. <laughs>
1: it's, well, that's, you know, you, you do a great, amazing job and you're very invested in your job. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know about you, but sometimes the best um ideas come to you when you're not, you know, when you're when it's kind of on the back burner and you're not focusing on it.
0: That's true. It is yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh, that's the idea. Yeah, that's the thing I need to do. It's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Um, so what would you say is something people misunderstand about your field of work?
1: Um, I guess. Two things come to mind. Both n- neither is like huge or earth shattering. One is that I think still some people don't understand that employment law is truly a specialty area, and that you know the the law is complex, and the issues that arise in litigation are unique. Um, you know there are corporate lawyers who th- try to do employment law. There are litigators who try to do employment law. Um oftentimes I find myself on the other side of the V from some plaintiff's lawyer who thinks that they can do employment law and that it's just like personal injury. And it's not. Um, it's really is a specialty. And I feel like more and more over the years, over the decades, you know, general practitioners understand that they need to get an employment lawyer for those matters. Um, the other thing is I cannot tell you how many times over the years, and it still continues, people call and say, I know this restrictive covenant isn't worth the paper it's written on. Like this, like non-competes aren't actually enforceable, right? <laughs> and I, I don't know why people have this idea. Um, certainly there are a lot of restrictions on non-competes now and they're generally not favored. If you can protect your business in a way that's less onerous for the employee that has less impact on their future earning, uh, such as a non-solicitation provision or non-poaching provision, um, that's definitely preferred. But non-competes are alive and well. And as long as you comply with the requirements for them, they are absolutely enforceable. I don't know why people don't seem to get that, but I am you know, for years and years I've heard this from people. Like nobody actually enforces these right, or no court is going to enforce this right. And I say, no, I'm definitely wrong. These these are binding, enforceable provisions if they're done right.
0: Right, right. Maybe it's just wishful thinking it's that they really don't want that to be the case. And so they believe that it's not, but.
1: Well, I mean, for employees, and I do counsel executives, that may be the case, but I think for employers, they're missing out on a tool in their toolbox. Um, or maybe you're right, maybe in a way that's thinking because they don't want to deal with it. You know, They don't want to have to enforce it, um, but it, it can be very important to enforce those restrictive covenants when someone leaves. Um, because you you have a right, you have as a business have a right to protect your market share and to protect your confidential information, your relationships. Um, so, you know, it's, it's something that you have that you can use. And oftentimes I see my clients decide to enforce it, not necessarily only because they feel that that particular employee who has departed is going to harm their business, but also because they want to set an example. And once you do it and enforce it, um, other people will understand that it is enforceable and they have to take it seriously.
0: Of course, of course. Yeah,
1: yeah, Yeah.
0: absolutely. Which makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, What would you say is the most important lesson that you've learned over your career?
1: Well, the first is relationships are the most important thing, right? Relationships with other colleagues, like the ILN is such an amazing example of that. Um, I I, I had a matter last year, it was yeah, last year, I think it was in 2022. And, you know, it was an international matter. It had to do with enforcing a restrictive covenant. Um, A sales leader left a company in one country in Europe and took a group with him um, and spread out all over um, with this group uh, competing directly. With my client. And I was able to, you know, right away send emails, get on the phone um, with colleagues in all of the jurisdictions in which I needed help. It was amazing. Um, so relationships are everything. And of course, relationships with your clients are so key to, as you said before, being their business partner. Um, the other thing that I've learned, and I always tell younger lawyers about this, which is, excuse me, um, when the phone doesn't ring, enjoy. <laughs> Don't worry that the phone will never ring because it will and you're gonna be slammed. So, you know, if you have a little lull, take advantage of it. Like, you know, give yourself a little bit of downtime if you can, because you you need that to you need to, you know, restore that energy and refresh.
0: It's true. I've learned, you know, somebody said recently that even, you know, every sports player has an off season. And I think there's this idea that all of us at work are supposed to be, you know, on all the time and working at a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time. And I've learned that that's not sustainable. Um, I did that for, you know, 20 years and, uh, Mm -hmm. it turns out that's not really a great idea. (laughs) Um, and so if you do have those lulls, um, it helps you work at a hundred percent when you need to be when you need to be there um and then take those breaks because that um that's better for you to be um more uh, it's a more natural progression. It's like the seasons, uh, for those of us that are in the northeast at least. yes, <laughs> uh, exactly. you know we, we lie fallow in the fall and winter. <laughs> and then in spring, you know, things pick up again, right um, we
1: emerge. So.
0: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Um, so that that I think is more natural with business too. Yeah. So um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I often
1: give that actually both of those pieces of advice to younger lawyers, which is relationships are everything. And if the phone doesn't ring, take advantage of that moment because it's only a moment Yeah, you'll be again soon enough.
0: Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, so just to one question before I ask you my final question, and that is, what does being part of the ILN mean to you? And I think you've really indicated it throughout this conversation, but just to sort of sum it up.
1: yeah. um I mean, the connections, the the relationships that lead to resources, they're invaluable. Um, I've you know i've I've had the good fortune to attend now, I think, three conferences, the one in Boston. Um, the one in Milan and then in Rio this year. And I, I hope to be able to attend another one soon. Um, we'll see. but uh, yeah, I, it's just such a great organization. And you, you know right away when people new appear, they're immediately embraced. And it's, you know, as we were talking about earlier, just such a great balance of having fun together, which creates and you know that bond. And also, you know, sharing important information about pra- the practice of law and also the substantive areas um, of the law. It's, and I always find in employment law when I talk to people from other parts of the world, which is so so cool, that there are things that we have in common and things that are so different that they they you know blow your mind. Like you are kidding, that's the way it's done. Oh my god, you have a court for that? It's so fun and interesting.
0: I love that part too. There are things that are really similar. And then as you say, things that are so different that it's, uh, you know, it's fun to watch when those conversations happen.
1: Yeah, but it is an amazing resource and it's a resource that we can pass on to our clients. It's just invaluable.
0: I'm so glad to hear that. And then one final question to wrap up and and this is one of my favorites, which is what is something that you're really enjoying right now that has nothing to do with work?
1: Hmm, (laughs)
0: it's always the toughest question
1: i guess another two-part answer one is my puppy my dog tina i think i told you about tina yes see uh, this Lindsay? but now i have a and i iP- an iphone case i love it Tina's portrait on it yes <laughs> that's amazing i have two human children and one canine child and she's by far my favorite
0: well that's because she loves you unconditionally
1: <laughs> she's great to have around <laughs> and you know my kids are adults now so they're not as much fun of course um, yeah and the other thing I'd say is I have a home in Florida now and I spend uh a time going back and forth which I it's I enjoy that you know I do I work when I'm there I always work when I'm there but it's nice in those winter months that you were just mentioning to have an escape go down there for you know a week or two and just work from there and be warm and throw on your shorts and go outside yeah. I, I, you, winter, Lindsay.
0: You guys have had so many rough winters in Boston that you deserve it. <laughs> Some are worse than others. Yeah. I remember that one with the snow in the parking lot in June. So I totally that was
1: 2015. Understood. So it's been a while that. Yeah. Everyone remembers that it was, we were all totally traumatized. <laughs> totally. My daughter always hated the winter growing up, and she graduated from college in 2014 and moved to Austin, Texas in January of 2015, literally the day before the big snows
0: came. Oh, my gosh. She got out.
1: (laughs) She got out just in time.
0: (laughs) Smart she's never
1: coming back, I can tell you that. Yeah, I have
0: a friend who did the same. She moved to Orlando because she just couldn't handle the winters in New Jersey anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And some
1: people love it. Some people love winter.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Although we don't get that much snow here at the beach. So yeah. Man, so, so you're on the
1: Jersey shore.
0: I am. I am. Yeah. Yeah. So the humidity means we get, sometimes we get snow, but mostly we don't. It's pretty mild. I, right. Yeah, I'm lucky. Well,
1: you know, here in Boston, like I can see the Harbor from my office right now and I can see the Harbor from my, from my condo. Um, We get less snow near the water. Definitely you know, in, in state, inland, they get a lot more
0: same, same. Although, you know, you're, you're more North to me. So I think you guys get much more snow anyway.
1: Although less and less.
0: That's right. Same here. Yeah. The joys of the bad news change. I know
1: mostly bad. I know. Great to
0: talk well, to you on that note. <laughs> thank you very much for joining me. <laughs> Um, and thank you very much to all of our listeners we will be back next week with another guest and in the meantime please take a moment to rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and thank you very much Tamson, for joining us it's always fun to talk to you yes it's always, it's always- fun to talk to you too <laughs> take care you too i Gen-